0: Public seafood counter where we're putting alarms on every single set of crab legs. It's the Seahawks Nest podcast.
1: Wait a minute. It's an away game. Your your crab legs are fine. Yeah,
2: man. James Winston did that years ago. Yeah, but we're in a a public,
0: so we're obviously actually in Florida. (laughs) Yeah, man. Don't don't think they don't have crab legs in Florida.
1: Not even in a joke will I travel to Florida. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Come on. Should I go back and say, recording live from America's Dong? (laughs)
2: <laughs> that that's too R rated. We want to keep is this that too PG thirteen. We want to keep this PG. That's no, PG the nose 13. is not what that is on. So we
0: want to keep it PG. So we're, we can have like really over the top violence as long as there's no blood. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. It's like a Tarantino movie. Reporting live
1: from a mallet smashing a small animal. <laughs> that's awful. As long as that's we don't it, As long as
2: we don't show it. Uh, welcome back to the Seahawks Nest. Uh, I'm your host Eric it's a side gag. Kevin Garber. Nathan Santo. We are going to cover the Seahawks playing the Eagles and the upcoming game where the Seahawks travel to Florida to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Jameis Winston stole crab legs at one time, bringing it all back around. Because some people are going to be like, "What was that about?" Oh, look it up. up. Yeah, they
0: they don't know about Jameis Winston's. uh,
2: You know when? uh, For all those that don't know, remember when Golden Tate stole uh, some Top Pot donuts, which really hit me hard because I love Top Pot. It was more or less that with crab legs.
1: No, but I remember when he stole your fantasy team's hopes and dreams.
2: Oh, that was like a couple weeks ago. That was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's really hard to forget. Let's 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 make sure
0: we recognize, though. These are our expansion brothers. They are. They uh, came into league at the same time as us.
1: If this was Major League Baseball, we would be considered natural rivals. That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the team, though. Remember, when Tampa Bay started out, a lot of people talk about how bad the Seahawks were. Seahawks... All expansion teams start bad, but within a few years, the Seahawks had made the playoffs. They were competing in the AFC Championship game within eight years of their inception. Tampa Bay was like... The yucks. They were the worst. Like, they won one game in their first three seasons or something, and it was just... It was awful. And not to be be forgotten, because I'm always going to bring it up anytime we talk about Tampa Bay, the Seahawks and the Buccaneers... Both came into this league with really awful helmet designs and the <laughs> Buccaneers had a great color scheme <laughs> and they got rid of it and I'm really mad about it. I'm always going to talk about it and that's all I'm going to say.
1: Uh, you know who, what? Bring back the cream sickles. You know what college football hall of fame or quarterback those Buccaneers, right?
2: The, uh, the, the, I know that Trent Elfer. No, no wait, no, no wait.
1: In the seventies. Oh, it ex- was uh, expansion era.
2: Steve Young, wasn't it? Steve Spurrier. Oh, Steve Spurrier. Heisman oh. Trophy
1: winner, Steve Spurrier. Wow. That's... One of the things he did was quarterback the uh, the Tampa Bay Yucks. That
2: explains it all. The old ball coach. Uh, before we go into the Tampa Bay game, let's talk about this game with the Eagles. And first off, let's give a shout out to the Birds Review podcast, who I got to appear on their podcast last week. And the picks were like 9-7 Seahawks, 13-10 Seahawks. To their credit, they did pick the Seahawks. I said, guys, my pick's a little different than yours, I'm saying 28-13 Seahawks, and they all, like, a a collective gasp was like, whoa, I'm not just a homer, like my friends here, we pour over data, and told you so.
0: Yeah, it just seems like Philadelphia needs a couple more, another year in the oven, so to speak. Uh, Also, every single running back they had got hurt. So that didn't, that didn't help them. Yeah, every single hell.
1: running back in the game got hurt.
0: Yeah, it was a really ugly game for both. Trevon Thomas, Boykin Thomas, lined up. Th- not Thomas Rawls. They, <laughs> thank goodness. Then they kept him off the field at the end of the game by lining up the third-string quarterback. <laughs> so <good 'cause> yep.
1: <laughs> they were like, wait, we need to keep him healthy and we're way ahead. So Trevon. Just, just. I like how you just said Travon's the third-string quarterback because Doug Baldwin is clearly the second-string quarterback. Yeah, obviously.
0: <laughs> that wasn't clear. He threw yeah. more passes Did in you the you game. Did
1: you see that spiral? It was Under pressure. Yeah,
2: It I'm was sorry. under pressure. I'm really surprised. Let's, pressure. Let's talk sure. about how great ding, Russell ding, Wilson ding, is ding, looking ding, at this point in the season. Ding, no one is 100%. Ding, 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 yeah. Ding, ding, ding. I love that Vanilla Ice song, Kevin. <laughs> Not going unnoticed. No, no,
1: no, There's goes. Sorry, go ahead. But
2: Russell Wilson had a long way to travel on that route, and he did it very quickly in typical Russell Wilson fashion. It was pretty dope. Really happy about that.
1: Are you going to do a percentage watch?
2: Percentage watch? I thought about it. Would you like me to? Go ahead, Eric. Okay, I know you want to. At what percentage do you guys think Russell Wilson is at? Because I personally think he's at ninety-eight percent. I think last
0: week he was around ninety, maybe ninety-five, and this week is the week he's going to be back to about a hundred. I think this is this, this is the week we're at we're at we're about the one hundred percent
1: level. I would say that's, I was going to say physically he's 95 and mentally I thought he was 90. He didn't take off in a few situations. Oh. I think this is the week we see the zone read. And
0: also there was one, there was one zone read where I was like, last year Russell Wilson keeps this one and he definitely handed it off right there. Yep. There was a, fe- yeah, that was more of I'll a fear it.
2: handoff. That's a, uh, I'm glad I asked that question. You looked
0: at the way he ran out in the play too and he kind of clapped and he was, you know, he did that thing where he clapped and he was like, like disappointment.
2: Oh, yeah. He, he, he I missed it. New better. On that, on that awesome pass though, are we all did we all see Doug Baldwin flipping off the sideline yes and and it was a it was a playful middle finger to our uh, beloved offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel do you hear about why yeah uh, it was because he wants the touchdown he wants to receive the touchdown right yes. yeah. so he's
1: like calling that play was like giving me the middle finger so i just went in and gave him the middle finger <laughs> it's like oh man Doug Baldwin, this is why I want to support your Um,
2: jersey—not just
1: in football, but in life.
2: He's—he's a great man. Uh, I want to talk about things the Eagles did or didn't do going into this game. The pass rush was—you know—it was going to be just abominable. It was going to be crazy to deal with. Seahawks handled the pass rush very well. I thought. Uh, Healthy Russell Uh,
1: Wilson is a big part of what happened. Okay, and George Fant looked respectable. Yeah, George George Fant getting better. George Fant. May very well be our best offensive tackle, and I would never have thought that would end up being true. I, I mean, don't know what that really like says week, about him.
0: Seems like week to week he's making big jumps, but I think it's somewhat of like a newbie gains, as uh, Eric, Eric would yeah. say. It's like losing where, water weight, where you're like you're you're new to something and you're not you're not good at it, so you gain really quickly, and he's going to level off pretty soon and be be you know still below average, but. Below average is better than... It's about as good as we can expect. I mean, I would say he's as good as Sowell at this point with better athleticism. So he can make better big plays and his mistakes will be worse. But I can live with that.
2: And to have a, a very good game against the New England Patriots who do not have a good pass rush and then to have a decent game against the Philadelphia Eagles who have a very good pass rush, those are the newbie gains I'll take.
1: Yeah, that absolutely was a great sign to see him effective in this game against a good defensive line. Again, mobile rush helps, but Fant looked competent before he went out.
0: Another thing is sometimes good pass
1: rushes just don't travel. And I think that was the
0: case with Philadelphia. They got, what, one sack in yep. the whole game. And I just, there's times where good pass rushes feed off of your crowd. And they get fired up because of the crowd and the timing of the offense becomes really apparent because the snap counts are shortened and all that stuff when you're on the road. And Philadelphia just didn't look like the, the fearsome pass rush that I kind of expected coming into the game, especially against our uh, less than stellar <laughs> offensive tackles. So I was pretty excited to see that. I don't know. Maybe that maybe it's, I think it's a combination. The offensive line looks slightly better. And I think the teeth got taken out of Philadelphia's pass rush on the road. And this happens to the Seahawks every once in a while, where our pass rush just doesn't look quite as good on the road.
1: It doesn't quite get there. gets pressure, but no hits.
2: Yeah, we don't usually talk about timing on the defense or timing for a, a home team and the offense and how it works in their favor. And I guess, you know, that that can knock off the balance of a defensive pass rush. What about the, the running game for Philadelphia before everyone died on their team? I was expecting to see a lot of quick screens. Seahawks seem to shut that down immediately.
1: Playing into our hand I mean What you had were A ton of attempts But like Their leading receiver Was Jordan Matthews He had five catches On ten Targets One one thing Uh, I'll say to Green Beckham Five catches on eight targets Sackerts Six catches on eleven targets That's a lot of balls Hitting dead air
0: one thing I'll say too to you, they were really hard on this receiving core, and they were correct. This receiving core sucks.
1: Yeah, it's like Nelson rolling Ag- out three Nelson Jermaine. Aguilar
0: coaches. just, oh my gosh, this guy drops everything. Yeah, you know the- I was stunned at how bad he looked in that game.
1: And then he's the one who was the reason that long touchdown pass got called back because he lined up off the line and yep, just yes. got balled out by his coach. Yeah,
2: Doug Peterson said he's giving Aguilar some time off. Yeah, he put he put him he in He should he should give him that. time
1: off of a roster.
2: Yeah, that's probably going to happen at the end of the year. Aguilar admitted he's he's kind of in his head about the drops, which you never want to hear that. And that those guys on that podcast, it was really insightful because people people in other you know in other NFL towns don't know how much I hate Jermaine Curse. And to hear you know someone else talk about how much they don't like their receiving core in general and how much they cannot stand Nelson Aguilar is really insightful for the game.
0: Uh, yeah, and I mean Carson Wentz looked every part of the the rookie quarterback on the road against a legit defense,
2: staring down one receiver, twenty three for forty
0: five. Didn't go through his progressions very well.
2: Through two interceptions, less just, than five yards per attempt. And, and for it, Cam to pick off that that ball, that Cam came from the other side of the field, and Cam is not good at catching footballs. That's a very athletic play by was, him, though. Yeah, it was great. That was
1: impressive
2: to see a big man sky like that. It also just says that you know Carson Wentz, he's a rookie.
0: I mean, they they held their own. They held the ball for 31 minutes. They got 308 total yards. They were killed by turnovers and an inability to convert on third down, 6 for 16. And they also just got in a hole, and they had to throw more than they expected, I think. I think they would have liked to run it more than 25 times. Yeah. Uh, But they couldn't. I mean, Wendell Smallwood was not doing anything on the ground. Nope. And so that kind of just threw a wrench in their whole offense.
1: Well, and then you look at Seattle's offense, and... Things played out to script. I mean, uh, long passes. We had 44 yards to Baldwin, 35 yards to Jimmy Graham, a 30-yard pass to Lockett, a 20-yard pass to Rawls. Uh, we said on the podcast the vulnerability for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles was the big play. We had a bunch of big passes, and we had on what was the second play from scrimmage, CJ Prosize just broke one.
2: Yeah, and
0: you know what's funny <laughs> is that they— we basically ran the same play twice in a row. The first process run and the second process run was almost exactly the same play, where like it was a zone read run to the to kind of let the left guard area, and then he ended up staying patient cutting it back and then just destroying uh, their secondary man number thirty one, who I think is McEl- uh, not McKelvin. Uh, some Mills. No, it's the guy that they got from the... Oh, McLeod. McLeod, yeah. Yeah, Rodney
1: McLeod and Jalen Mills both crashed in. You could tell they basically nope. read what you just said and went, oh, it's the same play again, and they crashed to that side and completely lost containment. It was Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills, he just misses the tackle. Almost. It's like process has him
0: one-on-one in the first play. Uh, Mills funnels him into a safety, so it ends up only going for eight. And in the second play, Mills just doesn't get any kind of containment at all, and it's is just gone.
2: It was really good to see Prosize have another good game. It's a shame that we're probably going to be without him until the playoffs at the earliest. But did we get it's any dreaded
1: scapula?
2: Yeah, what what is that?
1: The scapula, it's, um, it's like a part of the injury. shoulder. It's part of the um kind of socket and the rotation. Yeah, but it's
2: not a it's not a surgery thing. So it just it just got knocked loose. What I mean, I know what the, the scapula is, but what is what is the injury exactly? Is it a perforation? Is it I don't know exactly yeah. uh, if it's a like a I guess fracture not, thing. Or they're not if it's, saying it. Maybe
1: sometimes you can get pinched nerves through there too. I'm not really sure.
2: Yeah. Um. C.J. process Did we see any more of his run blocking? Did he did he do any before he died?
1: Uh, not a lot of it, but that makes sense. If you got to put him back there, run him on a route.
2: Yeah, it's not. You're not going to see him have the opportunity. Opportunity to run block,
1: and having more across gives you that flexibility. By the way, on
0: the on the front of like running backs being available to bring in because we're you know obviously thin at that position now. Uh, just so you know, Bishop Shan- Bishop Sankey got cut. Oh, which is interesting.
1: That's a depth player, and he can both catch the ball and kind of run. I
0: would be I would be mildly excited if the traitorous Bishop Sankey came into uh,
2: play for the Seahawks. It's I say traitorous. that because he committed to WSU, and then. Uh, and went then, then got to and then went to Utah. Well, honestly, how does it I want to talk about Thomas Rawls a little bit but before that, how does it feel to have depth at a mediocre running game and then go to a really good running game that is very thin? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's it's weird. It was like it,
0: is. it was like it seemed like, "Oh man, we have Rawls got Rawls we've got Prosize and Pope's going to be like the guy who spells both of them and we have like kind of thunder and lightning. Rawls runs people over and Prosize has the blazing speed with the vision. Like, this is going to be perfect, and then it's like, ProSize gets hurt, Pope gets hurt. It's, it's like, okay, now we Rawls we're back. is our only hope. We're back this is like, why
2: we can't Rawls, have nice things. Rawls and <laughs> Collins, and Rawls just came back from an injury. Like, I have I have every right to be worried now. Collins is in the fumble doghouse, as he should be. How many carries does Collins have on the year? Do you, not can you? a
1: lot, and he was inactive last week, so he wasn't going to come in anyway. He yeah. Yeah. was a healthy scratch. He's
2: got like nine carries, and he's got two fumbles. I mean, That's they activated rude. Pope over Collins. That should tell you... Quite oh, a yeah. bit about how they feel about he Alex was Collins deep right now.
1: in fumble jail. He was in uh, isolation in fumble jail. <laughs> they were
0: like, "Hey, uh, you're not doing good in practice, so uh, here you go. You're gonna go tumbling down the depth chart."
2: Yeah, it was uh, to protect uh, everyone else too, not just Alex Collins. That's why they put him in solitary. That's right. Uh, Thomas he looks like Rawls, Steve Buscemi, and Connor. Any <laughs> <laughs> chance you can make a Connor reference? You will, <laughs> Kevin. Uh, Thomas Rawls. I was really nervous about him coming back. I didn't think he would look. Certainly as good as he did, but I didn't. They kind of held him out. There was like healthy scratches. Man, he looked great.
1: Breath of fresh air. That man loves
2: running to contact like
1: Daryl Bevel throws, likes throwing uh, bad screen passes. (laughs) We
0: he. uh, I just cannot believe how much he just wants to punish guys who try to tackle him. Oh, man,
1: he is a physical run game. You talk about pounding the defense for three quarters and then just running through the softness afterwards. That Rawls will do that every time. Just absolutely pounds the defense.
2: Yeah, it's a shame that we don't have pro to, like Nathan said, thunder and lightning, because that's the ultimate compliment. You have the fast slashing back who can catch the ball, Get in between the 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 smaller holes quickly, and then Rawls who just dominates the other line, and it's it's good to have Rawls. This I mean, Bishop Sankey availability piques my curiosity.
0: Rawls does this thing where he'll, he'll just get hit behind a line of scrimmage, and he'll find five yards. You know, yeah, he'll find five yards upfield where that's just that's not even there's just not a lot of guys who can do that. And then it reminds me of. Marshawn Lynch, you know, just that kind of level of... Well, well Marshawn would
2: dudes, truck and take a few steps and, you know, fall forward three yards.
0: Marshawn was basically impossible to tackle. Yeah.
2: yeah. Rawls, Rawls is one of those guys who you think he's going down, and then he moves to one side or the other and falls down for three yards forward. It's really strange to watch. Like, he he almost disappears within the contact and then comes out three yards ahead.
1: What he's really good at doing is... Uh, He's a physical runner and you'll see him sometimes in the hole stick his shoulder into a tackler and kind of use that moment of putting him off balance to then pinball off the guy. And next thing you know, you see him exiting the hole and picking up, you know, four yards, five yards where it should have been like a one yard play. He, he is such a run stuff preventer.
2: Uh, before we leave this Eagles game, anything else you want to talk about? Any Russell Wilson stats we have besides his amazing stats at receiving?
1: Uh, he was, again, almost up around nine yards per attempt, uh, which threw the deep ball a little bit more. I really like the risk-reward system that we're buying into where we're letting the offense be a little more open. It pays off. I like eight rushes.
0: I know they only went for 19 yards. It wasn't like he was like impressive, but eight rushes is a we need to be getting closer to that number for Russell Wilson. That's yes. where our offense should be. Uh, our offense runs best when Russell Wilson is hurting people with both his feet and his arm. Yeah. Uh, and his arm is so good that once the feet come back, it's just going to it's gonna be stupid once he gets confident running at the ball again.
1: Everyone sit back and just appreciate how, you know, occasionally he makes some really bad throws, but just sit back and appreciate how accurate of a passer Russell Wilson is.
0: By the way, someone's listening. Uh, Jermaine Curse got 10% less snaps this week, and all those snaps went to Lockett and Richardson.
1: And he still got six targets and only caught two of them. Still, still
0: that keep, one tick. Keep bleed, Keep bleeding those Jermaine Curse snaps to Lockett Richardson,
2: please. What about the, the, the one play, and I guess I shouldn't end on this for the Eagles review, but whatever. When, when we ran a bunch formation, we had three receivers up top, Jermaine Curse at the bottom of the screen... And I'm like, oh, there's only two guys on the three receivers. This can go deep. It can be an out route. It can be a quick slant. What are we gonna do? They throw it to Jermaine Curse for nothing, and it was bothersome to me.
1: Yep, and the play was designed to go to Curse. Yes, and classic. That is why you don't design plays to go to Curse,
2: and that is also why you get some blackmail on Daryl Bevel and say, "I'm Jermaine Curse, and I have blackmail." I just on never Darryl thought Bevel. we'd have
0: a game where you know we had a 158.3 rated passer.
2: But, uh, congratulations, Doug Baldwin. You did it. (laughs) All right. Let's go on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The team that can't settle on a color scheme or a helmet design. And they don't have a lot of fans at their games. And they're, they're five and five. And like, no, I feel like no one knows about that. Yeah. People forget,
0: like, they think that they're dead. But, you know, Kansas City was pumping them up last week with, by, uh, doing the, uh, the Tomahawk tomahawk Chop. (laughs) <laughs> Which is like powering Jameis Winston. That's like saying, like Jameis, we love you. Here's your Florida. Here's your official Florida State
2: champion. Is Tampa Bay kind of like the forgotten NFL team? I mean, they're they're, they're, they're really boring. under the radar in everything.
1: You know, they really match though, because all of their efficiency numbers are mediocre as hell, and they're five and five. Well, yeah, except for the the one the one
0: thing you're forgetting is their toxic differential. This team has the worst big play differential in the NFL. Negative twenty one. This team gives up a million big plays. They Ooh. give up so many big plays, and a lot worse uh, than San Francisco. A lot I just saw fans would whine right at me right now and be like, "But but our defensive line was hurt at the beginning of the year, and it's like your safeties are bad, your linebackers are bad, and that leads to you giving up lots of good big plays." Uh I really and agree.
1: you have some bad corners. You have some good corners and some bad corners. They have
0: some. They have like two like. Corners who were old two years ago, and now they're really old and not good, not great. Like, Graves Alter on is the Verner. future, but that's in the future. But yeah, that's the future. We're talking about Werner and Graves, and their other cornerback that they had got hurt, so that he went
2: hit IR. Their their third string center hit IR, so now they're on the onto another guy. I thought so, we had bad luck at offensive line, but honestly, watching other teams get worse at offensive line is making ours look better. And to go through on their fourth center, are that's we have torture. Bennett back? He's out for at least another week, I believe. Okay. He's not coming back but this still,
1: week. If we get pressure up the gut with the way that Clark and Averill are playing, if like Reed can just sit over the center and shove him back towards Jameis Winston, this could get ugly. I don't think this is a game where Winston's going to be able to get loose.
0: Another thing, too, is like last week they they controlled the ball against the Chiefs. They controlled the ball for, let me look it up, 35 minutes and 18 seconds. By rushing Doug Martin twenty four times for sixty three yards, I mean I don't un- I don't really even understand completely how <laughs> how they were able to to pull this off. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Doug Martin rushed really poorly, uh, but Jameis Winston was actually pretty great. And I don't think that that will work against the Seahawks.
1: No, you just you know even with, even if Shed ends up being out. I just think there's enough talent on this roster, and Jameis Winston is the type of person who's not afraid of anybody, and that includes Richard Sherman. And Jameis Winston should be afraid of Richard Sherman. Yeah,
0: he's going to throw at Sherman, and it's not. Yeah, gonna you know that's going to happen. For him. Who spells? But him? I mean, last week he threw at Marcus Peters, and he didn't get an interception. So I don't know. On some level. Maybe he's maybe he's right. Maybe he's so crazy that it'll
2: it'll just work. Well, maybe that's has something to do with how bad they are at home. What are they one and four? Is that what we talked about? They are one and four at home. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. And the
1: one home win is like against the Bears. I think which is only <laughs> which is only kind of a win.
2: That's that's like that's the NFC Browns. Who spells Doug Martin nowadays? It's not Charles Sims, is it?
1: Uh, Charles Sims is on IR. I yeah. want to say it's, um, it's isn't it
2: Anton Smith. Oh, it's Peyton
0: Barber. Oh, oh Peyton, Peyton Barber. Barber. They still have Mike James. Who?
1: Former Auburn running back Peyton Barber. Sure. Really? I believe you. That's if, I have if no you say so
0: because that's one of those things where I have, I have no way to confirm or deny it. Uh, I, he's
1: a very physical. He'll get you like four yards of carry. A lot.
0: He yeah, is a, also he's a, he's an undrafted rook. Yep. There you go. Uh,
1: he came out to support his family. They love
0: Tampa Bay fans. Love Cameron Brate. This is one thing I can tell you without. They are so happy they have moved on from Austin Safaree and Jenkins, and they are in love with Cameron Braid. This is tight end, Cameron Braid, Brait yeah, is, is great. Tam- Cam- and you know what I have to say about Cameron Braid? He's real fine, average. <laughs> how tall is he? Oh, you know, you know here's the thing about Cameron Brait, Eric. Get ready to hear about how he went to Harvard.
2: Oh, <sighs> great. Oh, man. He's it's, the smartest. We, you
1: thought you we were NFL. almost
0: out of the woods with this uh, Brian Fitzpatrick Harvard thing. You thought we'd never have to hear about that garbage again. But Cameron Brate is ready to bring it
1: all back. Did you guys know that uh, um, Brock Osweiler is tall and used to play basketball? Did you know that? Uh, <laughs>
0: did you know that uh, Colin Kaepernick
1: used to be a baseball pitcher? Yeah, did you know that Russell Wilson is good at sliding because he played baseball?
0: <laughs> so stupid! There's So many dumb stories.
2: If only we could all do great Phil Sims voices, this would be perfect. Here, I'll do Phil uh, Sims impression. Let's just not talk for thirty seconds. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> in the middle of a sentence, I was
1: about to say, just trigger a stroke in me, and I can sound like Phil poor, Sims. Poor Phil Sims. Phil Sims sounds like he's having a stroke on air.
2: They do okay. They do have Calvin, uh...
0: Gerald, McCoy, Cameron, Cameron Brait, Mike Evans. Like they have good football players. Yeah, Mike
2: Evans team. is great. That's I want to. Brait is decent. I don't want to rhyme his name. But Mike Evans is having a really great year, and that's a that's a big guy who can jump high and go get balls.
1: Yeah, but he gets targeted all the time. You know the ball's coming to him, so I'm going to be interested. I think against this team, you put a safety over the top of him.
2: Now, who do we play at safety? Because Earl's not playing in this game, and we're going to have uh, uh, the 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 guy McCray. We're going to have McCray out there. Yep. Who else is Probably. going to play? I mean, you're going to have Cam. Is he going to be playing back? Are we going to be playing the same coverage? To, I think you're going to see a, he a healthy dose camp. of uh, Stephen Terrell
0: Tybus Powell. Like those guys are going to get on the field in this game. Yes, and I I actually think both of them are p- pretty decent. Like they're not t- great, but they're they're serviceable NFL players, and I think they're going to show like they as if they can continue to develop how valuable they can be to our team.
1: But I like having bracket coverage with uh, the deep play, safety playing over the top because they're definitely going to line up. Evans opposite Sherman as much as possible, and I don't want Sherman following.
0: Nope. I think we're I think we're done with that Sherman follow stuff. We learned our lesson at the beginning of the year. with how, how stupid that was, and so you'll see a uh, safety over lot of top helping side, lane pe- people helping lane. Yeah, uh, I, I Lane's also have his hands full, man.
1: I also could see them taking Powell, who's faster, or Terrell, and having them drop back and play center field, and having McCray play slot. Because He showed that he could do that pretty well.
0: By the way, Tyvis Powell, I really think that he could be the future number two corner that I've kind of keep hammering home that we need. Like if they, because I know right now they're bringing him up in that. He's shed, got
1: height, weight, speed.
0: That shed mold where he's like in practice playing some corner and some safety, and he's ready to back up both positions and all of that stuff. But I would love to see us, you know, stick him at corner like we've done with Shed in about one or two years, and just let him fly because he's going to be—he's huge and he's fast. And I really think that he has the big time, big time potential.
1: Yeah, he's at like that six two two ten, like really solid bigger. safety size, and but he runs. It's uh, even bigger. He's
0: six foot three.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a whole inch.
0: Hey man, that inch can matter. You know, don't don't want, don't let want anybody tell you one inch, one extra inch won't
2: matter.
1: I have stuff <laughs> in my up. email <laughs> inbox all the time that's talking about that.
2: Um, Anything else on the uh, Bucks offensive side or defense? So we talked about Gerald McCoy. He is healthy now. He's playing. Gerald McCoy's healthy. Uh, They have a... What's the difference the
0: defensive line? Their defensive line's actually got a lot of talent on it. Uh, They've been banged up all year. And it seems like they're finally kind of out of the woods on terms of injuries.
2: Uh, what are they good at? Are they are they stopping the run up the middle? Are they good at chasing down runners on the outside? Are they pass is, rushing? No, they're really, really
1: mediocre. Defense they're fifteenth against wide receiver ones, they're twenty fifth against wide they're, receiver twos, they're twenty fifth against slot receivers, really twenty seventh against running backs.
0: They're okay. Against the pass they're okay because they have a decent pass rush and they have a decent uh they have like decent ish corners. They're like aren't they like nineteenth against the pass or something, Kevin? Uh
1: they are uh twelfth they're Yeah. And then
0: they're like 20th against the rush. Like they don't do anything particularly well, but it's hard to say because I think that the pass rush and the pass defense will get a little better because the defensive line's healthy.
1: But I think the linebackers are still garbage and that you can run, you can run on this team. They're 27th against deep passes and 26th against passes over the middle. And there are 32 teams in the NFL. This team, this uh, Seahawks team runs those crosses over the middle. They're good at deep passes over the middle. And so look for them to get victimized by Doug Baldwin in the deep middle. I could see Baldwin lining up in the slot, or I could see, uh, like post routes to, uh, lock it. It's the
0: kind of game where I wish we had process because I think that he oh, could, he can really, he could really take advantage of these linebackers trying to cover running backs when yeah. they really can't.
1: Though Rawls is a good pass catcher
0: or a solid pass catcher. Yeah, I was going to say he hasn't had a lot of perceptions in his career, only like nine, but it, he he's he doesn't have stone hands, he has no drops. Yeah. I'm just I just don't know what he would be like with a heavy volume of running back passes. Does that make sense? But he has three for thirty one. process I know Oh, all day. I know it, with a heavy volume of running back passes, he's gonna catch everything. Yep.
2: There could be sweeps from Process in this game that would that would go for big yardage.
1: But I could see Rawls picking up, you know, four or five passes and getting fifty yards, which really helps an offense. That's a good number. Yeah, I, but I could see ProSize going for 100. I
0: wonder how they're going to try to cover Jimmy Graham. Travis Kelsey was the most successful wide receiver, uh, receiver, sorry, for Kansas City in the last game. And I could really see, like, you know, here comes Jimmy Graham on a deep seam route, or here comes Jimmy Graham dragging over the middle and you know, 10 yards down the field and getting big catch after big catch.
1: Or if they decoy with him, I could see the whole middle of the field opening up underneath them. Mm-hmm. You're talking that Jermaine Curse
2: down the sideline? Are we talking? I'm oh, sorry. I'm going Please, to no. throw sorry. my pencil at you. I, I'm sorry. talking about like a, like, I think Kevin's you
0: talking, talking about I a speak route speak the where truth. A route where Jimmy Graham starts in the middle of the field and works his way to the outside, drawing the safety, and then Tyler Lockett's running underneath that, and the safety is way out of the play now. Because, yeah, middle sluggo yeah. with Jimmy Graham and
1: mm-hmm. or uh, or Baldwin's running a hook over the side over there, and so he just finds that soft spot. That's oh, man,
2: Paul Richardson, Tyler Lockett—they have speed on this team, and that is going to wreak havoc if used correctly against the Buccaneers. Again,
1: this is one of those do yourself a favor thing. You know, find tape where you can see the whole field. And just watch how Doug Baldwin works a field. That man is so good at just kind of running his route and then just kind of finding that spot where the defense just doesn't quite have it played. He just, and the chemistry with Russell Wilson, it's so, so good. And, um, you can, and you can say like, uh, our offensive line is bad. Seattle's offensive line.
0: And I unquestionably agree with you, uh, without question, uh, but Russell Wilson does hide some of those deficiencies, which makes us, in terms of efficiency, 22nd again in the run and 16th in the, against the pass. And, and that's bad, also five spots better and, than we were in the And run. however bad you think that is, I mean, Tampa Bay is only one spot ahead of us in both of those. They're yep. 21st in the run and 15th in the pass. And that's, I think speaks to Tampa Bay's offensive line has been kind of a mess. Their centers keep getting hurt. So they have to keep rotating guys in and then offensive lines do better if they have consistency. And the middle of our offensive line has been consistent, and you are starting to see the payoff, because those players in the middle now are starting to get back to that. They got off to a really good start, and then they had kind of a bad stretch, and now they're they're starting to get back to where we, they were at the beginning, where they were playing pretty all right, yeah. and especially with Fant next to them. I think that they trust him. They, they believe in George Fant as a potential NFL player.
2: Well, and you could see in the Eagles game how Russ stepped up into the pocket a lot, and it didn't collapse. Early yes. in the year, it would collapse, and Russ couldn't move. Russ Russ stepped up this week, this last week, and it looked great.
1: Glawinski's good for like one just bone terrible play a game, yeah. which happens. It's his first year playing full time on the line,
2: so that's a great point though because I watched. The but game. it is
1: only like one, but like one play a game. All of a sudden, you'll see some guy streaking into the backfield, and you'll see Glawinski turning full about face towards Russell Wilson and sprinting after his guy who yeah. just blew past him.
0: Yeah, Golinski's... A, but yeah. then
1: he plays really well the rest of the time, but he just has, like, this one egregious sure. breakdown a game.
0: Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy that needs a rock next to him, and I really wish we still had Okun, because yes. I think Okun would make him uh, unmeasurably better, but... Put him you know a what? rock next to that. You I know, know what? what? <laughs> that's a... Uh, that's a uh, it's neither here nor there. We, can't, we don't have a time machine to convince... Uh, Russell Coombe to not be his own agent So <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I guess I- Anything else with uh, With the Tampa Bay team Revolves around my hot take question For the group And I know you guys love hot takes Love it So here we go with, I, I'm going to do all of my stupid questions in a funny voice Can you do them in a green voice? <laughs> I, you know you don't want that I do want that <laughs> I like that. <laughs> all right, Mike. I got a question for you. With CJ Size injured, what do you say they line up Tyler Lockett at running back and see what the guy can do? The guy's fast, Mike.
1: I could see an end around or two. I mean, I, I think that's a good trick play for them. I, it's it's to the point where it's not really a trick play. That was a great opener one, against New England.
2: All, all, yeah, Mike, all seriousness, like we used Harvin in this matter, and we 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 used Harvin in ways we should have and shouldn't have. Should have being Super Bowl forty-eight. Tyler Lockett will get three carries in this game. I don't know. If okay. I
0: don't know if that's correct or not, but I think that like if that's a correct three is a big choice, number,
2: but I think 3
0: is the number that he will get. He's gotten 1 or 2 in the last couple of games. Yeah, and I think, of, I think I think somewhere in that
1: area sounds about right. I
0: don't know if they'll line him up in the backfield though. That just seems no. like that seems a little aggressive to me. I think uh, it'll
1: be like a jet sweep or I could see
0: It's possible though we have no receiving. The thing is he cannot block on pass plays. Like you have, there's this expectation, you know, in the NFL For your running back on a pass play to be able to block, and I don't think he is able to fulfill that obligation. No. No. And that's going to stop him from ever being uh, used in the backfield like that.
1: Because the defense knows right away, okay, either he's going out for something or it's a run play. So they don't even have to consider something else.
2: That's why I asked the question. Spider 2, why banana, Mike? Oh, that, oh, yeah, that was a water bottle. But that was Spider One, White Banana. That was Spit Batoon yeah. White Banana. Sorry. Uh, do we want to move on to picks for this game? uh no, no,
0: no. Why? Because I want to talk about Jameis Winston. Oh man, I want to go deep. I, I had Winston. no idea you wanted to. Do okay, this. Eric was a. Uh, this, this is my. Of a uh, this is man. my first. uh This is my first. This is my first uh, thing. But Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. This is the first time probably we uh, we went looked back. Since probably Phil Rivers and Eli Manning where we had like a legitimate quarterback debate who should go number one, number two. And both of those guys panned out. And this is the first time since then that both guys panned out. Unless you include Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers. But Rodgers dropped to
2: 26. So I don't Smith didn't play run. for eight years either. And Smith
0: was bad for a long time until he got under the tutelage. Of About Andy Reid and his Denny's menu. So.
1: <laughs> no, he got, he got Harbaugh for Oh yeah,
0: The Harbaugh was good too. Yeah, That's why right. the, the Moons over so, Miami so,
2: works really well in Kansas City. So basically,
0: I'm, what you're saying is he can't do it unless he's under like kind of a legendary coach. Anyway, uh, the, the thing is, Jameis Winston, surprisingly good. I'm, I, I've had times this year even when I thought like, yeah, Jameis Winston, maybe not that great, but his stats that he's putting up in terms of efficiency, raw numbers running the ball like it all is i'd be i would be very excited if i was if i personally was a tampa bay buccaneers fan and i had Jameis winston to lead my team for the next you know however many years because he's still very young
2: yeah he's 22 how old is he 21 22 he's very very young yeah, he was because he came out a year early. He
1: came out a year early, and he's, I believe, just like a young graduate. He was early into high school or early out of high school. So I want to say he's probably like. He's under 23.
2: He's 22. Yeah, Yeah, I just, I remember hearing that this week that
1: Matthew Stafford was the same way. He was young coming in because it feels like he should be 30 and he's not.
2: That's true. And Matthew Stafford had to deal with a lot of injuries early in his career, probably. And being on the Lions. And being on the Lions. I mean, Winston Winston is durable. And 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 he's progressed as a passer too.
0: He had like four interceptions in a game at the beginning of the year. And I thought, like, oh, this is terrible. But he's only got nine total now. Like, he's avoided those big, those mistakes. and he like condensed them all into one game or something. So I don't what you're saying know. is he
1: hasn't gone full portals. No, he's, he's <laughs> way better than that.
0: I think Winston will be a top 10 quarterback for the next like five years. I feel pretty confident saying that unless he gets injured
1: or something. Uh, he, I'm going to, I'm going to go into one of my favorite things uh, and friend of the podcast, Todd's favorite things. Jameis Winston is what I like to call a gun slanger. Oh, geez. Gun slanger. He, he does. He takes risks. He's that way. And so he's going to throw some interceptions where you're just like, what the hell was that guy thinking? And he's going to have like some blooper real type plays. But then every once in a while, you'd be like, man, he just looped that and no into four man coverage no one else done in a that. tight window. And that was an incredible pass. And that, my, one, one of my favorite things too balls is balls like, the size of medicine. The Jameis, the Jameis Winston stories,
0: man, where they're like, <laughs> he got in the huddle and he went and he looked at all the players and said, who wants to catch the game winning touchdown? And then one guy, or I don't know if it's Mike Evans, I think, said me, and then he threw it to Mike Evans and they scored a touchdown. It's like, oh, this is a really cool story. Like, this guy sounds like kind of a, kind of a badass. Good. You know, honestly. Slanger.
2: When Drew, B- I'm sorry. Good I, I when,
0: just wanted to compliment James Winston. I feel like he gets a lot of stick. You know, like, I feel like James Winston
2: gets a lot of stick.
0: Like, people like to think that, He's not... He's good. He's a good NFL football well, he's, player already. He's 22 freaking years old. It's
2: what people say about the Mariners. They say about Tampa Bay. I mean, it's a team that has forgotten a team all the way down there in Florida. Uh, when Jameis Winston... Better is, fan base than
1: Miami, though. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, That's because they're under the age of 80. Uh, Jameis Winston, when he is good, reminds me of Drew Brees. And I don't know if I see that correlation all the time because Jameis Winston is a full foot taller than Drew Brees. <laughs> but it's... Like, but he, like like Nathan said, he makes all the throws can, and he spreads
0: the ball around. How about and totally he can, go, like he can, can go
2: fast. He can go fast in the middle of the field. He can go for the deep ball that just boop drops in perfectly. But I totally receiver. know what
0: you mean because he will throw to any of the guys on the yep. field. He's not like those guys who zone in and they just go one, two, and then they throw. You know, Matt Ryan. Through a quick yeah, everyone talks about reads. how good
2: Matt Ryan is. Matt Ryan is losing games because he's zeroing in on Julio Jones too much. Yeah, he doesn't go through his progressions
0: and like. The thing about that is, is Tam- Jameis Winston totally could just throw to Mike Evans on every play, and that would probably be fine. And Mike he Evans does again. to an extent. And, I mean, but he that's does target him like 10 he's or 13 times a game, but you know, he also spreads the ball around. I mean, against Kansas City last week, I'm going to look right now, but I would bet that he had completions to at least six different receivers. That's an easy bet. Which which is like, you know, that's, that's, that's really solid. Here we go. He got six to Evans, five to Cecil Shorts, three to Russell Shepard, three to Doug Martin, four to Adam Humphreys, two to Cameron Bray, and one to Alan Cross. That's seven different receivers.
2: Breaking I mean, one news. One Alan Cross. Breaking news. Alan Cecil Cross Shorts
1: is on, in the NFL. Yeah, you didn't know Alan Cross existed. Now you do. You can thank our he podcast a, for that. He scored a
2: touchdown last week. Yeah. Uh, Alan Cross, I thought, was really good ever Shout since Tyler to to Perry Cross's was in that mom. movie. with
1: him. <laughs> That was a Tyler Perry movie. Alan Cross. That <laughs> no, was Alex. I, oh. I hate you so much. Oh, man. Oh, uh, it was uh, Medea's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It still was. <laughs>
2: sorry. Uh, so,
0: <laughs> I'm not sorry. At by all. the way, one last thing. Seattle's back on top, number one. In DVOA. Yes. If you are curious, Tampa Bay's twenty third, which puts them in the lower third of the league. I think that's actually a little harsh. I think they're a little better than that, not a lot, but I definitely their think special
1: that... teams is weighing them down. They had some bad special teams, plays teams at the beginning of the year. And they don't have depth. Teams above them that I don't like as much as them though. Let's do that:
0: Carolina, Green Bay, Cincinnati. I don't like any of those teams more than that, more than Tampa Bay. But those teams are all close together, so I'm just kind of nitpicking.
2: Well, and every every team has to deal with injuries. It's that time of year. And Tampa Bay had to deal with injuries early, and they're not really getting healthy now. Parts of their team are getting healthier, but their defensive line
0: line is coming back together, but their offensive line is still all messed up. And their defensive line is a little older,
2: so when they're getting better, they're still only at 80%, and that's probably where they're going to stay all year. If I can just keep a percentage to every single player (laughs) personnel, I'm going to do that.
1: Yay, math!
2: Yeah, hey, that's something I'm not good at, so I'm going to spout off (laughs) about (laughs) it. Let's pick it. Holler. someone go first because it can't be me all right i
0: think this game is going to be super close and i think the first half this is what's going to happen the first half seattle's going to go down 17 7 17 10 21 10 something like that and we're going to come out in the second half and russell wilson is going to run a lot and we are going to cruise and it's going to be like oh the, the, they had to unleash russell wilson this is the week Russell Wilson's running ability right now, it's like the Ferrari we have in the garage. Dad's gonna go downstairs. He's gonna roll the cover off the Ferrari. He's gonna get his cleaning cloth during halftime and shine it up real good. And Russell Wilson's come out and run for 70 yards. And I, I, I call, I'm gonna predict that. Russell Wilson runs for over 70 yards and the Seahawks come back and win by 7, 31 to 24.
2: That's pretty high scoring. I have not a unique score. But, you know the Seahawks are famous for making, but it's a score that I would never usually pick because I was trying to add up field goals and touchdowns to be pretty close. The Seahawks are going to win by 8. I also picture us coming back in this game 24-16 to 16 is my final score. Seahawks.
1: And I'm sitting kind of in between you guys. I also think this could be one of those ones where it'll be either close or Seattle will be down. I could see um, something like... 14 10 Tampa Bay uh, at halftime. Oh, scares me. And I remember, we were down
0: 21 points for that Tampa Bay team three years ago, that horrible Tampa Bay team, the Mike Glennon one.
2: And we came back and won. Do you guys remember that game? Oh, I of course. I the, Bobby,
1: when Bobby Rainey went
2: ham. Yeah. Before Hey, before I the podcast, I said this was a trap game. And I didn't say it in the, the podcast only until I, now. But the, the only we don't I, play well there.
0: I don't like the trap game for this one. Is one? It seems like nobody's getting MRSA from their locker room anymore. And two, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't <laughs> take that. Georgiano and then t- Two George. is that the game starts at one instead of ten? Like it's that's it's, a factor. They're starting it in the afternoon.
2: Do they always start that time or just no? For us? No, and those trying, ten o'clock games. The are NFL fresh. has
1: stated they're making a
0: concerted effort to have West Coast teams not start games at ten when they travel
2: to the East Coast. That's so nice, Kevin. I'm sorry, your pick.
1: So you'll go down. I'm thinking like 14 10. And in the second half, I agree. I think roaring back. Maybe like a field goal to start and then a couple of touchdowns. And the defense really clamps down and something along the lines of a late touchdown to seal it 27 17 Seattle.
2: And the loss of Earl Thomas in this game. We glossed over it. I do think that's part of the reason I'm giving
0: them 20. I just want you to know that's part of the reason I'm giving them 24 points.
2: All right. Nate, uh, they will can they will
0: find Cameron Bray for a play that you just are shaking your head at and you're like that would never have happened if Earl was here.
1: Yeah, well, and that's why I'm giving them two touchdowns also, because I think their running game isn't gonna do a thing.
2: Well, as great as Cam Chancellor is they don't
0: but the thing is, their running game might not do a thing, but they don't give up on their running game and it helps their offense. They will run it 20-plus times, even if that running game is that, like, not happening. You hear that, Darryl Bevel? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a, not, that's they what Seattle needed they to be doing earlier. In they the don't year, throw they a, they a bubble screen and say, oh, bubble screens are basically a run play. None of that bull crap. Can we
1: sign their offensive coordinator? That's all I'm saying. Uh, you I just don't. want
0: Jim Bob Cooter on our team. So I don't. want.
1: Jim, I will take Jim Bob Cooter on our team, who is, 100%. Who is their offensive coordinator? I'm Jim Bob Cooter. Right
0: it is Todd Monken, but I bet you Dirt Cutter. Uh, oh,
1: uh, he was the uh, Southern Miss coach he ran like this wide open offense at Southern Miss and brought them back from like nothing. I'm going to guess Dirk Cutter is very involved in their offense
2: though. I would yeah. imagine
1: that he is, but I think that's a really good combination. Uh Munken's a good coach. Watch his name coming up. He'll get a big college job or something coming up.
2: What well, I was going to say about Earl Thomas is Cam chancellor, you know, he gets the rap of being the enforcer on the team, but you forget Earl Thomas injures guys. He does it every year and he hits them clean, but he hits them so hard he injures people. And Earl Thomas is like I don't know. He's just as much of an enforcer as Cam. And mo- losing him in this game means it's, it's, it's going to affect the team. I, I don't think it's going to have us lose, but Earl it's, Thomas
1: is one of the three best safeties in all of football. When you lose one of the three best players at he's a position, the best safety, that
2: hurts. He's the best safety.
1: You, he's arguably the best, inarguably one of the three best yeah. safeties. I'll give you period. that. Period. You can make your argument about Harrison Smith. You might have somebody else that you can make an argument about, but if you try and deny that he's a top three safety, then you do not have much to stand on.
2: This is true. Okay, gentlemen, let's uh, let's hit those plugs before movie night.
1: Well, we're talking about that Patreon. We got these sweet Patreon stickers. If you follow us on Facebook, you've seen the pictures.
2: Uh, Eric is holding them oh, up to the microphone, on, and you can't see it. They're on Twitter. No, but you can hear them. That's really weird. That they're is the that. worst. Freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um,
0: that in the nicest
1: possible way, Eric. I love you. You're Thank like, you. You're like the Getty Lee of microphone creepy.
2: That's all I wanted.
1: Um, That's all I ever wanted. <laughs> and, it's all I ever... For- Sorry. <laughs> uh, hit us up on SoundCloud, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Give us some likes. Give us some reviews on iTunes, Stitcher. Um, give us some love, because we're giving you some love
0: yeah uh we uh we have we have good content that is only available to patreon subscribers uh I make a youtube video every week that features me breaking down a Seahawks play from either the last game or a few uh two weeks ago game some and uh it comes out every week and uh i really really highly recommend that you that i think that is worth the price of admission just by itself but there's so much more available and if you like look at the prices and you're like hey I kind of want a sticker but I don't want to pay this much, go to the sticker level for one month, then reduce your pledge. That's a a okay way to do it. I support you in doing <laughs> such.
1: Yeah, we just want to build up that following. You know, you're helping pay for better equipment. You're helping pay to make a make a more complete podcasting community. I will say this: I have we to, have jobs. That's not why we need it. I have
0: to yell into all this, of us I have, have to jobs. Borderline yell into this microphone to get it to pick up my voice because uh, it's in such a because we our mixer only has like two really good ports, and then it has, like, two really crappy ones.
1: Yeah,
2: he's like David
1: Lee Roth over there licking the microphone
0: while he's talking. I gotta stick it right <laughs> in my mouth.
2: Doing karate while he speaks. Because you All said right. David Lee Roth.
0: <laughs> All right, so, uh, you guys ready to start some movie clubs? So yes. Ready. So, I, I, um, I think that there's probably an expectation this week that we would go with a Thanksgiving movie, but the Thanksgiving movies are actually going to be discussed on our Patreon-exclusive Thanksgiving special. So I'm not going with a Thanksgiving movie for this podcast. We're going to save it for that. And so instead, I'm going to go with a movie that I think everyone at this t- at this table, although we're not all sitting at the same table, uh, will like uh, likes and loves. Um, and that is Bruce Willis.
2: Oh, I love it already.
0: Already, definitely sure. Moonlighting, Bruce. Willis. Every episode of Moonlighting. In the uh, sci-fi classic, The Fifth Element. Ah. So what? It what how I feel like this movie is is great, and I waited way too long to watch it. It's one of those movies like everyone told me I'd like it for you forever, and like they were always like, "You'll like it, you'll like it, you'll like it." And I was just like, "I'll, I'll get around to watching it sooner or later." And then I waited too long. And I shouldn't have. Like it would have been smarter to just uh, watch it sooner. Uh, Also, uh, this movie has so many cool things about it. But I'll let you guys go first, and then I'll come in with all my stuff.
1: This is a movie I actually watched early on. It's kind of the opposite effect, where I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is a really interesting movie. They did a lot of clever things. Um, There were a lot of really interesting storytelling choices. The cast is really good. The movie shot really well. And then a bunch of negative reviews came in early on. And it kind of got buried a little bit, and I was sitting there going, "Why is this movie getting uh getting trash talked up? This is a really, this is a really good, really uh nice to
2: watch, solid movie." How weird is the movie, though? I mean, that, oh, it's a really weird movie. That's the thing; it's going mean, to get trashed sci-fi, on. What do you let's, expect?
0: Let's be honest, though. Luke Besson is is weird, man. It's that's like, the thing; It's going to get trashed on because he's so in a lot weird. of like really, he's involved in a lot of really weird movies, which is. Part of is he why, district B thirteen. Part of why I wanted to bring this up, he wrote District B thirteen. Oh, that would be so good. He wrote Kiss of the Dragon, which is an, also an awesome movie. <laughs> wow. He directed and wrote Leon the Professional. Oh,
1: that would be so good. Uh, hmm. Like this is that better be on the list. This by is
0: startup. This is part of why I brought this up is that he's involved in, in a lot of Gary uh, weird so stuff. He wrote Taken, 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 Taken Two and Taken
1: Three. Like these are all. So you saying he has a very specific set of skills. He
0: oh. made that and those Uh-oh. skills involve writing movie, Lucy, Which I, which I. <laughs> hate. Wait, what movie? Lucy. That that. Uh, oh, I that never saw with, that. Uh, Johansson. I hated that movie. Uh, but okay, fifth element. Let's get back to let's get back to business. You're right, Kevin. It got kind of like middling reviews, and which doesn't make any sense to me because this movie is just. Is it like because it is it because of all the weirdness? I was okay. wondering if it was marketed. Is it because wrong? of Chris Tucker? Like <laughs> let's, so, let's go let's <laughs> go over something <place. laughs> like
2: the weirdest of weird- weirdos. So this the whole scenes involving Chris Tucker. He's an entertainer. This is before Friday, by the way. I think no, it's not. Okay. But it's
1: before rush hour.
2: Okay, it's before rush hour. Even if it's after Friday, it's a departure from anything Chris Tucker ever did, ever has done. You have President Zeus Tiny Lister, which <laughs> is amazing. Uh, you may remember him as uh tiny lister. <laughs> Debo on Friday. Okay, I mean he's the president and he stretches his acting skills. You've got Gary <laughs> he, That is a very that's he, very nice. way. He's to not yoga, open. he's just stretching like you get up in the morning. Is it better than when he was Zeus
0: and no holds part?
2: That's that's he didn't same, have to stretch. That's same. just amazing. That's <laughs> that's that's when I take over, that's the movie we'll do. Um probably not. Gary Oldman starts having black goop. <laughs> Come from his head when the evil force is talking. It's weird. It's uh, by the way, it should be noted weird.
1: if you ever want to make a weird movie and have it guaranteed to be enjoyable, cast Gary Oldman. Yeah, that's that's a rule. I mean, is it
0: have to be Gary the, Oldman's the, so the, enjoyable? The names of things in this movie are weird too, yes. like Monda and like what yes. black, about the alien black who black Guna or whatever? The alien I think who they puts did. up
2: the concert and she's she's got like blue tentacles and you believe that all the music and everything is coming out of this alien creature. It's it's cool, but it's weird. I think
1: that for naming rights on for namings on this movie, I think they just went out and got a bunch of Mike and Ike's and sat in a room <laughs> and uh, taped Arnold Schwarzenegger having a conversation, eating Mike and Ike's. Yeah, Bruce Willis, and Arnold, friends. That would are friends. explain how a lot of these things were done. What's this going to be called? Uman, Cowen, Yorkinbergen. You're like, oh, all right. That's a, that's a really interesting name. This Rolled is, off the tongue.
2: This is also okay. Mila Jovich's finest acting role. Oh, I have yeah. no problem when she, saving when her. she
0: says like what that point that scene where she's like, what's the point of saving everyone's lives if like people are just going to like mess up the world anyway? Yeah. Like that's that's like a pretty that's pretty great. Like she does a good job and she doesn't really say a lot, which is probably why it's really good.
1: Because, <laughs>
0: I mean, she's, she's a good face actor to actress too. Like, she can act with her face and her body
2: and stuff, but her, when she talks, it's like,
0: uh,
2: doesn't well, have dialogue. A lot of people say, you know, oh, Mila Jovo, Jovovich is so hot, like in Dazing Confused and Resident Evil. And, you know, that's not really fair for any actor to hear all the time, because that's, they're based off their talent, not their hotness. I know, but It's in this, like a,
0: and it's like kind of a reductive way to think of it. It's approach. a bit of a, exactly. death, kiss, ex-
2: a kiss of death on but her. But in careers. this movie, she's, she's made up to be like this, this ultimate weapon. And she's really kind. Of, she's like everyone else in the movie. She's just kind of weird and out there, and alien in her own way. Just honestly, I wasn't. I wasn't making a joke when I said this was her finest acting performance.
1: You know what I liked about this movie was, at a time where you weren't getting a lot of them. I think Gattaca came around at the same time. This was kind of a throwback sci-fi movie where the themes had a lot of political commentary in him. It reminds me of what we talked about before. Yeah, was recall. like a,
0: there was like some kind of there was some kind of like message in this movie about yes. like there's a
1: fundamental tension
0: between technology
1: and
0: and humanity, right? Like yeah. and like at what point is technology do we lose some of our humanity to the, just the preponderance of technology available in our society, right? Yeah, exactly. There's there's like there's like some real there's a real question that this movie's asking you to think about.
1: And in, my, in a much more subtle way, like where the Matrix took that question and beat you over the head with it. <laughs> this more took that question I mean it's and not subtle when she it.
0: says when she says like yeah. you know she literally says like But comparatively. What? But but I mean it but it's cool because when she says it in the movie, it's like because when she starts the movie, she's like basically a baby, you know. Like, and not yeah. I'm talking about Lilu Mila Jovovich's character, and she's she's like a baby that, it, and she's learning about what people. It's get, very tabular. She picks up stuff fast because she's you know a, a super, computer. super super superhuman or <laughs> yeah. whatever. You know, she's like she's the like basically movie. a god person, and so you know she's picking up stuff quick, and she just realizes very quickly, like, hey, you guys are kind of this is not cool. But What's it worked. On?
2: It worked in the movie because, like you said, she started out like this innocent little kid even though she's full grown it's you're you're almost like she was she needed to be protected and then she didn't and as she comes along she doesn't say it cocky she doesn't say it like i'm the man now it's it's just a very honest moment in the movie and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of great movies are full of honest moments
1: and it does that thing that's really nice which is when you have a character come to a realization right around the same time, an audience comes to the same realization. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of like this confirmation that feels good inside the movie. And there's a few moments like that where, like, something poignant is said in the movie, and you're sitting there going... And, and it kind of rings in your ears with like that's very much along the lines of what I was thinking.
2: We haven't even talked about Bruce Willis in this movie. That's how good. That's how great the supporting and cast is in this movie, or the cast in general. He's real good in this movie. Well, this so, is it's a, Bruce this Willis. Is, this was his
1: comeback. This though. is a like, Bruce Willis
0: role too. And, and the thing about this, him in this movie too, is he is just coming off Hudson Hawk, which was the is that movie's garbage. Wait, yeah. are you serious? It was like, that that's what he's coming off of for yeah, this movie. T- so he took a risk taking this role, right? Yep. He's coming off Hudson Hawk. He thinks he's got
2: to be thinking like, okay, he was probably coming off North.
1: If I'm
0: what? like, I'm gonna make think this him movie. I was coming off
1: North.
2: Yeah, I just had to think of what I other movies. I hate so much right now. You know, think about like, yeah, those are some stinkers.
0: Like he, we don't want Hugh. He's coming <laughs> off some bad movies though, and he's just. He's got, oh, Billy, the other movie he had made before that, Billy Bathgate. Oh, I've never seen that movie. I've heard one. it's, I've heard it's,
1: didn't not, right uh, after this, wasn't right after this when he did Last Man Standing with, uh, Christopher Walken?
0: Uh, I am not 100% sure, but I mean.
1: This was Bruce Willis kind of playing his everyman role in an exceptional situation, which is the best Bruce Willis role.
0: Uh, he makes, so he makes, uh, Hudson Hawk, Billy Bathgate, The Last Boy Scout. Oh, uh, he made Pulp Fiction right before this, and Twelve Monkeys. Those are both great movies. Yeah. So, he's but it was kind of part of that swing. But I mean, those are
1: all really daring roles. Yes, he's
0: taking risks with the roles he takes at this point in his career, and I think like that's what's cool to me is that he's not in his like Armageddon, Die Hard remake <laughs> section of his career. Sin City. <laughs> like, I just don't like the things he's doing recently. Well, he's an action yeah. star, and like it's... basically the only thing he's done recently that I really thought was like neat was like Moonrise Kingdom. And even then, I hate this is uh, this is for a different podcast, but I just really don't like Wes Anderson's movies that much. Visually, they look good, but they just there's something about as them.
2: as he goes on, his movies are getting worse and worse. Uh,
0: so yeah. Anyway, back to the, the the topic at hand.
2: Uh, what other actors are we losing in this movie that we haven't spoken about yet? Well, we didn't talk much about Gary Oldman. Well, Luke, we talked about the black goop pouring down from his face. I thought that's uh, all we need to talk about. What's Luke, there to his say voice. about Gary Oldman? He's Luke, just so Ga- good. His voice in this movie. Luke, Wait, Luke Perry's in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> does he play Luke Perry?
0: No, he plays uh, Billy Masterson. I don't really remember what he does. It's a very Luke Perry me. name. I just see it on the. So he list. did play Luke Perry. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, Tricky's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Tricky is in this about movie. This. Uh, and the thing about this movie is the music. Another the last thing I wanted to bring up: the music in this movie. There's music like almost the whole movie, and it's all really, really good, and it fits the movie really well. Yes, and it get it. Yeah, I like the way that they use it more for like setting the mood rather than just uh like playing music to they they like play music that will evoke a certain emotion or feeling in you to the try movie to get you is in a the part mood of, of the, the scene. scene and the setting. Yeah. absolutely. Exactly. Like they're like they're not just playing a song to be playing a song. You know, they're playing a song to try to get you to to feel a certain way to lead you into the scene. And there's electronic
2: so, music in this movie, but it wasn't shoved down your throat and it was it was fitting. used perfectly. Yeah, exactly fitting. Yeah, And there's different types of music. Like I said, the the alien. I love that yeah. scene.
1: Because that's the other thing I that I really like. Is did did a die. lot of the music in the movie was music the characters were hearing too. Yeah. And that was kind of nice because it had to fit the scene. It's like, oh, this music is playing because they're in this place and that's the type of music you would that's hear that's a there.
2: good way of putting it kevin because most of the time in movies there's there's a theme you know is it orchestrated music yeah or it's or it's a, the worst is when it's like a rock band and that is just hey we're going to pump up the audience to watch this but yeah like you said this is music happening within the movie and we get to be a part of it all right
0: and i want to do one one thing because I know that I couldn't get a full podcast out of this movie, even I, though, I totally could talk about this
1: for a whole podcast. I, I, I could do so. a full, I, think I could that, do a full Hawksness podcast about this movie.
0: I, I don't think that I can get a full <laughs> podcast out of it. I think that you think about the movie and the plot is so thin, it is like you're like, uh, maybe not. But uh, District B13, it's like a, it's like a. Paris gets overrun and they have to cut the city into districts and they're all walled off from each
1: other. Basically, it's, it's basically Parkour the movie. It's, it's it's Parkour the movie. It's Parkour the movie taking place in Escape from L.A. Yep. And it's amazing. Yeah. This movie's really
0: good. Luke Besson uh, wrote it uh, and it's only 86 minutes long and I do not think you can have more fun watching a movie for 86 movies. It reminds me a little bit of the movie from last week that we talked about. Absolutely. Ang ba- Except for, I think the martial arts and stunts are just slightly worse, but the story makes a little. I connect a little bit more with the story than the, uh, like, I gotta get my ancient elephant idol back from these evil
1: city people. And, <laughs> and quietly, District B13 is a buddies movie. Very much
2: so. Which yeah. buddy movies are always good. Well, like Nathan said, it's 86 minutes long. I watched this movie with Nathan. And it, it's a
1: very full 86 minutes. It
2: feels like 86 minutes though. I mean, if you go to the bathroom, you're like, Oh, they've moved on to this part of the building and they did parkour to get there. Real stunts, real fun to watch. But if the movie was
1: 90 minutes long, it would be six minutes worse. Okay. And by the way, <laughs>
2: by the way, fact.
0: there is a American remake of this movie that stars Paul Walker and the RZA it's called. Oh Brick, my goodness! And it's called Brick Mansion. Okay, I, I and uh, heard that I've this never. is a remake. Okay, I've we never, have to see
1: this. I've never seen it. Because I
2: bet it's not good. But I've I've heard it's bad. <laughs> and it, it has the RZA and it has who is it? Paul Walker. The RZA, Paul Walker, R-I-B- and then the star it's, of the original movie. That's whose too name soon, is Nathan. Uh,
0: David Bell, I think.
2: So uh, he's the only one doing parkour. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it's him doing parkour, and then a guy who looks like Paul Walker, a guy wearing a Paul Walker wig, <laughs> doing parkour. <laughs> All right. So that's uh that's the movie right there. That's Fifth Element and also a little bit of Luc Besson talk because uh, that's I kind of want to just bring up the director. I think he, he's kind of an interesting director to think about also because he owns half of Europa Corp, which is a production company that puts out a lot of movies and they're all like it's one of the only studios making like medium budget movies. Like no one makes a movie that costs twenty million dollars anymore. It's just not a thing that happens. It's all either
1: two hundred million dollars or one like one dollar. Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah. like
0: this is one of the only production studios that's like, hey, you know, let's make Nine Lives. Which I, I'm I'm sad that that movie oh, exists, but but I'm just using that as an example.
1: Why did you have to use that
2: as a frigging example <laughs> to make you mad? <laughs> I hate you so. I just much. I wanted you to think about Kevin Spacey as a cat. You're the worst. <laughs> Oh. I know. How did Nine Lives do at the box office? Terrible. Shut yeah, up, yeah. It I doesn't know. matter. Right. <laughs> it should have been. How did guess. it do it existing yeah.
1: terribly? Alright, let's. You're shit at dying.
0: Let's close this up. So that's uh, Kevin Garber. This is Eric Ronovec. Oh. I'm Nathan Sano. Uh, support us in any way you can. If that's just likes on social media, so be it. We love it. And we'll see you guys all next week. Go Hawks. the guitar drum.